Welcome to E-Commerce Made Simple, a podcast created by Adjust Media. Each week, we invite e-commerce entrepreneurs like you to share their stories and backgrounds on how they've achieved success in their e-commerce business and the lessons that they've learned that will make your e-commerce journey as simple as possible. I'm your host, Uri Weinberger. In this episode, you'll learn why passion for your business is the most important driver for success, how to test new product designs with your team and target audience, and why a micro-influencer program has more value than just sales. Joining us today, we have Chris Zimmerman, owner and founder of Violate the Dress Code, a seven-figure fitness apparel brand based out of Pennsylvania that sells high-end leggings that look great, feel like a second skin, and sell for about half the price of other popular athleisure brands. Chris, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Very busy day. (laughs) Good. That's a typical life of an e-commerce entrepreneur. It's a bit crazy. People just don't, they're like, oh, it's so great to own your own business. I'm like, you, if you could only know. You have a list of things to do each day and you are lucky if you can get one item off your checklist completed. Yeah, and that's uh, in every direction. Exactly. I feel as though that's a constant struggle of prioritization for for any owner, no matter how small or how large the business is. So you and I have chatted earlier, right before this call, uh, and I'd like you to explain to our listeners uh, a little bit of background on Violate the Dress Code. Why did you get started? How long ago was it? Um, And just explain the entire process of how you've grown into the brand that you are today it's a little bit of a crazy story it was nothing that was ever really planned um i've been involved in marketing advertising design for quite some time and slowly but surely word of mouth different companies would hire me um i saw opportunities instagram really started to take off and uh i just started a little t-shirt company as a side hustle. Never really any thought of it ever becoming a career, ever being able to hire other people. Um, It was just something fun because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being creative. In my free time, I'd draw up something and just thought, well, even if a few friends would want to buy this, that's cool. You know, and uh, because of the marketing background and photography work and design I've done for magazines, I just had a... a nice little pool of athletes and influencers that wanted to share and be a part of the company. And I actually did a trade at one point, a photo shoot for a friend who lived in Alabama and they traded me a little tabletop screen print machine in exchange for a photo shoot. Just something you could do at home. and just one little thing led to another. And instead of uh, investing, there was never any risk when we started the business. I never took out a big business loan. It was extremely small, doing little things. Every penny I made went back into reinvesting in the company. Um, And it just slowly but surely took off, you know, using networks of friends, networks of athletes. And I I guess when you're really passionate about something, it shows it really shows and i think that's the big mistake with a lot of people trying to start their own business and be their own boss i would really say 90 percent of them 
are chasing a dollar instead of really wanting to make something that they're so proud of and make an amazing product. I really believe if you cannot stand behind your product, you're going to fail. You, you can't be in it for the short-term dollar. You have to be in it for the long-term. So at this point when you were starting off, were you working full-time and just doing this on the side, trying to make a little bit of money here and there as a hobby? Yeah, it, it was. So I put them up on Facebook initially and a few friends purchased it and the first small little batch of t-shirts sold out. Then I contacted my friend, John Bell. At the time, uh, he created a quick website. And I remember telling him specifically, ah, you know, it's just for fun. Let's see where this goes. And he, to this day, still makes fun of me. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, let's see where this goes, you know. Those are and, lifelong uh, friends. Oh yeah, he's great. I mean, I could call him up anytime and he's always there for me and vice versa, you know. Um, but yeah, it was completely unexpected. So you ran a small batch from a screen print machine that you basically bartered for yeah. a photo shoot. That's that's an amazing story. And how how big was this small batch? Very small. I mean, it it was twenty five shirts. So you ran twenty five. No, no shirts? advertising, just an organic post. They sold out, and I do realize. Most, well, all the people buying them probably felt bad for me. <laughs> They're probably look like, look at this poor guy. You know, <laughs> what is he trying? Okay, I'll buy this shirt because he's a complete loser. <laughs> you know, and, but after they did sell out, people started requesting them, you know, and. And how were you showcasing these? These were on the website? This, at, at first there was no website. At first it was literally organic Facebook posts and Instagram from your personal page or through community yeah, and then whoever like whichever friend you know that would model them at the time would post and at the time though no one really on social media had sponsors this was kind of before that all took off at the time it was still you know you had to be like a world-class professional athlete to have any sort of sponsorship so this um, was able to snowball for me because of the photography and marketing background. So it was always just an exchange. I'd have, you know, a couple fly in and, you know, uh, the husband would help with lighting and his wife wanted a photo shoot. And instead of charging them at this time, like, cause photography was always just a little side hustle as well, but I did do pretty well with magazines and print, you know, and uh, the trade-off would be, well, okay, if you'll model the clothing and post about it, I'll waive the photography fee and we can do anything you want at the end of the photo shoot. We'll just get like a few pictures of you, you know? So it was just a little barter system at first. That's an amazing grassroots approach. So you took your, your passion and your skill set, which at the time was photography and design, and you traded a free photo shoot for the model in return yeah. for them modeling your clothing, which you would then use as assets in order to to share within your friends and, sm and yeah. sell these small batches of t-shirts. Yeah. And yeah. so for and how long did that go on? That went on for about, I mean, like I said, very small. We eventually outgrew the first site, not necessarily outgrew it, but I felt very bad for John because the site he made 
was not too user-friendly. So anytime I wanted to add a new design, I just didn't feel comfortable calling him and asking him to update the site, add these new products. So I kind of took the first step and went into e-commerce platforms, you know, and uh, started really taking it from there. And it still took a little bit of time. Like I said, we started so small, there was no real advertising, you know, it was as small as you could imagine. And I still remember, recall one business trip I was on for my actual job, about ready to place at the time our biggest order of which were just blank clothing you would buy from American Apparel Wholesale. So like a white, just, a white shirt that you would oh, print yeah, just on. And, yeah, just literally sitting there looking at the total for the invoice and just debating for, it must have been two hours, do I hit order? Do I hit complete order? You know, and it, we did and it ended up being such a success because it was a different design, something a little bit rough and edgy, which was what we were at the beginning. And, you know, even though it was geared towards men, it was quite clear that women were still buying a majority of the items, you know, so that went a little bit further. And then the following year, I specifically made some items for Black Friday. And I remember just waking up in the morning and that is one of the greatest things about, you know, e-commerce, you make money around the clock. I can be sleeping and make money, you know? So I woke up um, to all these orders on Black Friday and I remember I had to call up two of my friends. I'm like, there's no possible way I can do this on my own. I can't pack this. So I brought in two friends and it was at that moment, I'm like, I really may want to consider taking this up as my job. And was that, and, and was the product that you were selling on that Black Friday promotion still a t-shirt or is this already to the point where- It, it was a hoodie. It was a hoodie. We put uh, skulls on the side of the hoodie and we were trying to step things up, spend a little bit more, do things a little different. At that point in time, we did have a few athletes that, you know, would get free items just in exchange for posts. And at the time, though, once again, influencing on social media was a little bit different, where I think now almost everyone posts for so many different companies. There's very little trust. You know, back then you could find a micro influencer and they would you could track the sales right back and they would just sell in a, such a significantly a significant amount of items as compared to today if you bring on someone with a hundred times the following just because it's it's now almost the standard yeah the the, the trust has basically been lost as though that 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 just goes to show the the difference of the landscape over the years for number one how how marketing channels change and how now influencer marketing is a lot harder to get the results through but also it goes to show the type of organic reach that these influencers are getting and that pages in general and businesses in general are getting uh, i believe it was in 2017 where facebook just throttled all organic reach and started to force advertisers and, and businesses into the advertising channels rather than just through yeah that was kind of one of our game changers we just saw our engagement tank 
and just knew we had to take some necessary steps. Thank God we had a, a large network of people still posting organically, so we were able to still continue growing the brand. But then we really had to go attack advertising and marketing and starting start to pay. Absolutely. So you know, and even back then when it's time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. And then uh, just a follow up question. You you were saying that this Black Friday deal was really like a game changer for you. You woke up and this was the the moment in time where you're like, damn, I cannot do this by myself. Um, How long into your journey from when you sold your first batch batch of shirts to this Black Friday promo? How long was that in terms of? months years. well it that was about that was about two years like i said give or take and even at that time though where i did decide to take this on as a full-time career if you were to ask me at any point in time during the first three years three and a half years i would have sat there and just said you know what i'm gonna give it another month or two and quit i'm gonna give it another month or two or quit i mean i was working around the clock one th- decision i made that was integral to our growth was we faked the inventory on our website. We had one advantage. So say you wanted to order a men's shirt in large, but we physically had no inventory. I lived minutes away from a distribution center that I could literally place an order and go drive there an hour later and pick up the shirts, run back home, screen print them. So we were able to keep the inventory fully stocked. And that really had a huge part in helping us grow because we also, because they were so close, once again, we didn't have to take any large risks and order a thousand shirts that no one liked. And we ended up stuck and out, you know, like $8,000. Yeah, you were pretty much running your own print on demand shop. Yeah, so that's why I was also working day and night. I mean, I remember at the time, if friends wanted to come see me, we did outgrow uh, the little tabletop screen print machine way too quickly. And at the time, uh, we had a big industrial press, the conveyor belt, two two heat uh, curing machines. We had the exposure units to make our own screens. And I literally was living in the shop day and night. And I just remember my good friends coming over and bringing me food, just coming there to keep me company, listening to music, you know? Sounds like fun. And yeah, it, it, it actually kind of was. Building it it's, out of your garage. I mean, yeah, it's almost, I think people would be like, wait, really? But it, it was something I enjoyed doing. And it's one of those things, if you're not passionate about it, I cannot see you succeeding. Absolutely. Because I really didn't mind it. I really did not mind it. Now, of course... As we've grown, there's a lot of things I mind and just want to, you know, hire help and be like, okay, would you, you want to take over this little segment of the Yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get to uh, outsourcing and building a team yeah. in a little while, but I just want to fast forward a little bit. Um, we opened the show today by stating that Violate the Dress Code sells leggings, sports bras, crop tops, but you started your background with saying that you were selling men's shirts. How did you transition from these men's shirts or into, I guess, unisex hoodies, and now you sell almost almost exclusively leggings and, and female apparel products? 
Yeah, it's a really strange story, and sometimes it's hard for me to even grasp what really happened. But like I said, when Instagram really took off, and even when we looked at our sales, a large, large majority were ordered from women, and it was not a a girl ordering for her boyfriend or husband. She would be ordering a unisex small shirt or a medium shirt. So then we started releasing items specifically on women's apparel, whether it's a racerback tag top, things like that. And they very quickly became the best sellers. And I actually did enjoy making them. And as we kept growing and trying to reinvest, one of the things we did was move forward with a very inexpensive pair of leggings. And I can remember sitting here drawing up graffiti for the word violate. And I must have made a hundred different versions. I probably annoyed the hell out of all my friends, showing them all these versions that were almost identical with such subtle little changes that I think they just all wanted to smack me. Like, just pick the first one, you know? And But I really, enjoyed doing it and we actually released a pair of leggings that said violate down the thigh um it was a little bit grungier a little bit um more aggressive styling and overnight that was a, by far the best seller of the month uh wow. we actually had problems keeping them in stock no matter how many we could print we would sell them and then it got to the point where we could no longer produce them on our own. So we went forward and made a very crazy design that we still keep and restock occasionally. It's kind of like my baby where I can never see us getting rid of it, but it's basically like a, a kraken, like a, an octopus with a skull head. We put that up and it just sold. It was a very aggressive sort of different design that octopus is wrapped around the one thigh. Um, and that immediately became the best seller. And I just became obsessed with improving the products, you know, cause at first it, it was literally the first company we took on the first manufacturer that was able to match the color. We did have a few samples set it, sent in, but at the time we were still small. Like a lot of the bigger manufacturers didn't want to deal with us because their minimum order quantity was much more than we could do. But we, you know, found one that actually would work with it. Well, we found a few, but the one that got our business, uh, we ordered and once again, it was Black Friday. It sold out immediately. And I thought we ordered enough to last a few months, you know? So then we had to place a rushed order pay extra to have it expedited and it kind of just took off from there and now it's just really been the goal of making the highest quality product we possibly can you know and i don't want to charge people an arm and a leg like some of the other um, athleisure brands but i mean we really try like my I, that's all i do is ask and question and try to uh, uh, you know constantly just, iterate and innovate on the design. Oh, it's it's nonstop. It's nonstop. Having an obsession for your business can oftentimes give you that competitive advantage that no one else yeah, can. Yeah, I mean, we started a new collection 
and things got put a little bit on hold because of the whole little current uh, pandemic. But I mean, this is the new product collection. It's going to be called Passion, which is basically what I keep referring to because it is a big part of my life and the business. And I just want to show people out of everyone that's tried this on, and it was a significant amount of the athletes, only everyone, and we brought in different collections, different companies, even different variations where we tested our own different fabric blends just to see what everyone liked. Everyone but two people preferred this. And I'm talking over, I mean, can I mention other brands, but like Lululemon, different things. Like I think Lululemon was a majority of people placed it in third without seeing any logos or labels of what just felt the best, whether they were squatting down the feel, the fit, the fabric blend, just every little seam. I mean, we had specifically placed and done for a reason, you know? So uh, I actually just cannot wait for this to release <laughs> realistically. Yeah. Well, you'll have to keep our, our listeners in the know. Uh, so it sounds like there was no just to, to loop everything back, it sounds like there was no specific point in time where you sat down either by yourself or with your friends or business partners and made a strategic shift. It sounded like you would just come out with designs, post them on Instagram, follow the money. You figured out that the majority of the, your customers originally were female. You started tailoring those products and the releases to females and then started adding product yes. lines from there. Does that, mm -hmm. does that sound right? Perfect. So, so as you continue to iterate and innovate, how do you test the designs that come out? Because your background seems to be in design, like you've been saying, and you come up with all the designs yourself, meticulously, if I may add. Um, how do you test them? How do you test the waters? Do you just think and have a feel and be like, oh, I think this is going to do well? So then you just order whatever minimum order quantity that may be and then see how they sell? Or you test them. You have a, a team member, like a group of team members that can help you provide yeah, feedback. I mean, how, how now does that, that we work? are women's leggings, obviously, I have little say in the fit feel. I can only go by, and this, I don't want to sound uh, offensive, but what I feel looks the best. Like if I were to go shopping, and I brought a girl with me who I'm involved with. Something that I would be like, oh my God, baby, I am buying you that in every color. You look amazing. You know, that's kind of my goal, but yeah. But then again, I mean, I'm thankful that I have an amazing team who knows they can give me brutally honest feedback. I mean, I can't tell you the designs I've made and it's just a, a unanimous no. You know, like, what were you thinking with that? And then there's times where we'll get the first sample in everyone sees it, but they love it, but there's little minor changes that need to come out. But I mean, it's all about having a team you can trust and that is not afraid to shoot your thoughts down. And as much as you love your company, I know sometimes it can get in the way. You know, you have to accept others' input. You know, that that's just huge, especially from anything, from building a website. There are parts to the website I love and as much as I don't want it to change because I love the clean, modern look, if this can help and make the shopping experience easier, I have no say. I mean, I have to kind of 
let my passions and love for the site just kind of take a, a small step back, you know, to do what's best for the customer. And I mean, thankfully we have an amazing team who's really, as of now, been really coming together. Um, now we even have uh, three of our manufacturers are sending items directly to Jesse, and she literally will get them, try them on, and I mean, she will give some brutally honest critiques, and I mean, she just has this personality that's amazing. You know, I mean, she can speak in front of people, she'll film a little video, show it to the team, you know, where a lot of people, um, you know, are a little bit introverted or shy. I mean, she has this charisma about her that you just, you just can't replace something like that. So you've, you've surrounded yourself with team members who are either your, your target audience or people who are, I, I assume are part of your, mm-hmm. your modeling crew, right? People who you're shooting, uh, are these team members local to you or are they virtual well, and how are you managing initially, these how are you managing the It was all audience? local. When we started off and first started taking the business seriously, I was still Uh, very connected to the fitness industry. I was still doing some work for the various magazines and websites and going to all the shows. So it was basically the Northeast territory and people I would encounter, people that would come up and ask, hey, you know, can I rep your brand? Things like that. Um, But now we do have athletes internationally. We have them in Europe, which we we really don't target ads currently uh, in the overseas market. That's one thing we're going to be moving forward with uh, this summer. But uh, yeah, we have a, a team all over. And uh, now we uh, have a group chat. And it's that is something that is very hard for me because I, when I came out of the business world, I've just learned a few things that I, I just believe are truths in business. If you treat people horribly, treat them like a number, they do the bare minimum to get by. So I went into this wanting almost a Google-like experience where if we grow, I mean, say we were making millions and millions, almost an obnoxious amount of money, I would love to be able to take care of every one of my friends. You know, I would love to be able to buy everyone a house in a neighborhood somewhere, you know, where it's nice and sunny and we all had pools and could just enjoy life. But uh, the, it's but that that was the whole thing. It yeah, it was just to you. And I always say this: you get a few trips around the sun. You got to make them count. You really do. But so we have a group chat, and like I said, I at, I know even now I'm way too lenient still. Meaning, a lot of the team, it's like pulling teeth to get them to post. You know, sometimes it's even hard (laughs) and it's shocking to me that they would ask for clothing, but won't even comment on our own business page posts to help with engagement. And it's. So so are the are the members of of this team uh, like are they brand ambassadors? Are they just models? We have different different levels. There are it starts at brand ambassadors, goes which basically anyone can sign up for. And then once you reach a certain level, and actually um, people have 
already got to the second level where they do get free clothing and commission. And then the top level is the elite athletes. And they're the ones that um, really go above and beyond. They're people we want to market to whichever target demographic. You know, they, they're the people that uh, I would gladly fly out for team, team day at the water park, you know, team <laughs> paintball day. You know, just different. So we do have different levels of athletes. That's interesting. So, so anybody, technically anybody can join your brand ambassador program and then you tier it. First level may just be uh, getting free like discounts or points towards a store. And then if, if you're, if you're active and you're, I, I guess, a great team member, a great grand brand ambassador, they get moved up to tier two, which is just free clothing which you're sending out to them they're posting on your behalf so when there's a new release or a re-release of a specific design and then eventually they graduate from the second tier up to the third tier they join the quote-unquote official team in which they then get inducted into the group chat and are able to give advice into into the brand itself and, yeah, and they give their input on things. Yeah, and it, and it wasn't until recently, and I'm thankful um, someone was kind enough to really be like, stop being such a pushover. This is a business. They're taking an obscene amount of items, and you can't even get a post out of them. So there is a time and place where I do realize I have to run it like a business instead of just, hey, everyone's my friend. I'll do anything for everyone. That is still very hard for me because... I've always been the type of person that I would prefer to do something for someone else because that makes me happy. If I had $20 in my pocket and I know my friend wanted some stupid joke t-shirt that I wanted as well, I would buy it for them knowing it makes them happy instead of myself. That just, I prefer, that's always been me. That's what makes me happy as a person, you know? But it also leads to trouble when, you know, you're trying to run a team. And it's one of those things where that may be something we're going to some a position we're going to have to fill where someone is running the athletes and in charge of making sure they're doing their posts, they're meeting the necessary requirements. I even though I do it now, I just don't have the time. I don't have the time. Yeah. So it sounds like the brand ambassador program, just like everything else in e-commerce, is a work in progress, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, nothing is ever stagnant. It's always going to change. It's always going to grow. I mean, How yeah. many members are currently part of the program? The affiliate program itself, um, there are well over 1,000. I think there's like 1,200 currently. Wow. There, and all of all those twelve hundred have an opportunity to to go, climb the ranks, join the second tier, join the third tier, and eventually be part of shaping the brand as a whole. Correct? Yeah, yeah. So, what what type of requirements and qualifications do you put on them when you're trying to graduate them from tier one to tier two and tier two to tier three? Well, from tier tier one being that anyone can sign up and join, whether you post or not. I mean, there's really no minimum requirement to. So it's almost but like a loyalty program. To, yeah, so to get to level two, though, you just need a certain amount of sales. Gotcha. And then it's like, okay, you actually are posting. You do have people 
that trust you, that look up to you, that you can motivate and inspire. And then they get to level two, so if they're bringing which is the sponsored in X athlete. amount of revenue, call it $500, $1,000 worth of revenue from affiliate links, then they've earned the right to free. Yeah, content, then they, free, then free they earn um, sponsorship, which gets them commission. Very cool. And how much, how much of your success would you say that you can attribute over to the affiliate program? How much success? Geez. Well, at this point in time, I'd still say it's primarily ads. Okay. Um, affiliates are huge with helping branding and having new people and new demographics see you. I, I'd say maybe twenty percent. Okay, that's that's still that's still and pretty. I'm still, I'm still very shocked because we recently took on a few very, very big name athletes, like well over a million followers. And there was literally nothing where we have a girl with 5,000 followers outsell her. But I think that the big name influencers, people just don't trust. They, they, people just think, okay, they're shouting out this company because they were paid. I don't care what this person is saying. So, so your position is the micro, micro influencers, influencers and building a yeah. micro influencer program will eventually yeah, start I, growing the proportion of sales and contribution. To and so we have a few that we that started off and they're amazing. And this is no disrespect whatsoever to them. Um, there are times uh, we just have new athletes come or a photographer will shoot a new person and say, hey, Chris, you know, this person loves your brand. Would you be able to maybe use these photos? Um, we started off with a girl, Chrissy. And my uh, local photographer was shooting her and the photos came out amazing. So we just started talking and she is now one of our top elite athletes. And then we actually have it happen quite a lot from actual customers, you know, where, I mean, it is 2020, so there's no reason people should still be getting underexposed, blurry photos, but it still happens a majority of the time. And we had um, a customer that was tagging us in on a few of the items. And, you know, there were some of the better quality photos we've seen in a while. And as it turned out, she lived by us. Um, her and her boyfriend are just into the gym lifestyle, the fitness thing. And we took her on and she once again is featured all over our website, you know. So when we go take our little team trips to Vegas, she gets flown in and has fun and gets commissioned and earns money just basically to have fun. I mean, it's something she enjoys. Wow. That's that's an amazing partnership. So you've you've mentioned that um, your ambassador program is roughly around 20% of the revenue that comes in, or at least this mm -hmm. quote unquote success of the business that comes in. Uh, what is the remaining 80%? Well, I mean, between mostly paid ads and organic, um, I, I don't know if you'd really lump in emails and text messaging as pay. I still just consider that paid advertising, but Instagram and Facebook really took off for us. Um, I was very ignorant when we started off with it. I mean, we just started very basically. I think at the time there wasn't even Facebook ads manager. We were literally just paying to boost ads or even posts 
on the back end of our business page on Facebook. That's the, what the majority I, of businesses I, I, start with. Yeah, that, I, yeah. I don't even like I said. I don't even think at the time there was an ads manager, and uh, they were very successful. It, it worked, but at the time I was still judging. Once again, ignorantly, a company's success based on the amount of followers they had. And I had a very a few very close friends because of what I did previously with photography and marketing and helping other companies that we would always just throw ideas back and forth. And we were talking for an extended period of time, but there were certain things we did not know about each other's company. Like um, I was under the impression we were making a significant amount more than his company only because the engagement on Facebook and Instagram and the followers. I, I mean, we had about 10 times his. And then one day we were just, you know, throwing numbers back and forth and it just happened to come up what we were spending a month. And my jaw dropped when he told me, I'm like, wait, what? Hold on, did I hear this correctly? And then as he said what he was making a month, it was that eye-opening wow, like, what have I been thinking? You know, and once again, I mean, even though I always did like a photography, art, design, my actual degrees in college were finance and actually physical therapy and pre-allied health. But we were never really taught about the real world in college. I mean, I, I almost, for me at least, I would say college was really just a drain on my bank account and time. That's not, that doesn't go for everyone. You know, like if you're going to be a doctor, yes, college. If you're going to be a lawyer, yes, college. Um, but for, <laughs> I, I almost feel you can learn things on your own as long as you're willing to listen to others, which most people have a problem with. There's, I mean, I'll ask anyone anything and be like, oh, wow, you know, I believe you're right. A lot of times I'll just be quiet and listen to what other people have to say. And I ask a lot of questions. I ask questions all day long to everyone where they probably think I'm a moron. But uh... if you don't know, ask. That's, uh, I live by that. Um, but I, I, I do think you pointed out something that, that is, is very important. There, there's a, a huge misconception with at least new businesses that the engagement and, and social following that you have equates to the size of the business. That, that's not necessarily yeah, not at all. true. From any sort of yeah, not even remotely exactly. close to true. Like there could be businesses that have ten thousand followers on Instagram who are pulling in one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month, where their competitor has two hundred and fifty thousand, which is twenty five times bigger, but are only pulling in ten k a month in terms of sales. Yeah, um, and yep. so one lesson to be learned here is um, don't judge a book by its cover, and also um, it's. When you're at least running ads, for example, uh, there are different different sort of tactics and objectives you can run run through, and the ones that are and the social profiles that have those very large followings are generally using engagement ads, and they're cheap likes, cheap follows from third world countries that cost them nothing. They spent a hundred bucks and got ten thousand mm -hmm. followers, um, whereas. The smaller businesses really care about the core of their core customers. And because of that, they're making the sales and not necessarily the likes. So it's important to make yeah. that distinction for any new business out there that is at least starting to get into the technicalities of advertising. Um, 
please make that distinction. Oh, 100%. I could not agree more. And I, and I think with the younger demographics to it, that's even a harder concept to grasp. I mean, I cannot tell you the amount of athletes that will come up, ask for a sponsorship, want to do a photo shoot, and they realistically think that within a year, this will be their job. Like literally just they will sell things online and just have fun and go to the beach with their boyfriend and he's going to get a quick little boomerang video of her, you know, and that's it. And the chance of that sadly is I think those days are, are numbered. The, the problem really with do. that is that you've learned it the hard way because you've gone through it and you have an influencer pool of 1,200 affiliates uh, with varying ranges of following where there's might be yeah. a new business that comes up and sees the sparkly number. At, at yeah, I mean, now I has. think um, at least from my perspective and standpoint, and once again, I take it with a grain of salt, I am more interested in a personality and someone we can put in front of a camera and she can just be herself where it doesn't look forced. I'm, I just think that is a dime a dozen. Well, actually not. <laughs> that is just one in a million, like the diamond in the rough compared to the girl that just wants attention and likes. Gotcha. All right, Chris, listen, yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask you one question. Um, mm. If you could teach another e-commerce entrepreneur or e-commerce seller or merchant one thing that would make their lives easy throughout their journey what would it be oh geez easy huh see i don't think any of it's easy i think the only way to make it is you have to love what you're selling it has to be something you don't mind doing weekend sunday miss out on friends, family, events, I, you have to just love it. I like that answer because I, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, I mean, there's different things I could bring up, but that's, yeah, it's all, it does all require work. But overall, if you don't love it, who wants to if work? If the passion nonstop? isn't there, you're going to hate it. And if you yeah. hate it, you're going to quit and you're never going to make it. So, And then, I mean, I guess lesson. something that actually may be more of an answer you were looking for was as you start growing, it was very hard for me to give up control and to delegate jobs to others. Because when it's your baby, you almost have this feeling like, well, they don't care. They just want to get the job done and that's over and done with. You know, where you know no one is going to put the time, effort and care for it the way you will. Like even now, I'm still in the process of making an ebook yeah. that I very easily could, like the photos are done, the explanations, the wording, it's all completed. And I'm just obsessing about making it a specific way. And even if someone were to offer to do it for free to free up my time, in a weird way, I actually don't think I would can let anyone do this one. Why do you think is that? You know, it just it, it just means a lot to me to to get this first one done. Um, it was one of those things we just had so Jesse and I, we just went through because everyone's home. So we thought it would be something really nice to just do a free giveaway. And it's just a part of me, you know, and, and you can just tell in the photos and the, the videos, I mean, she loved it too. You know, I mean, I've never met someone that wants to help others, you know, as much as myself. It's so it's just, this is one of those projects that 
I am so passionate about. I think the key is when you are trying to outsource and find that correct member, you have to judge them based off the passion that they have for your business or your industry. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. We found a lot. It was it was just very scary. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, we've, you know, brought on different agencies and people. And I mean, we were, were blessed that we found some amazing people to work with. That's great. Well, Chris, listen, I really appreciate you coming on the first episode of e-commerce made simple. I think that you brought and hopefully I didn't ruin it and make it no, the last. You did not. I think <laughs> this is this is a great kickstart to the series. Um, you brought forth a ton of lessons that e-commerce entrepreneurs at all levels will be able to learn from. Um, I think that the brand ambassador program that you talk about and the affiliate tiers is something that almost any business can bring in to their marketing strategy. And what you were talking about passion and the fit for people who come in as team members and how they should have the same sort of passion for your business is advice that anyone should take to heart. So appreciate you being on the show today uh, and sharing your story with us. That wraps up episode one of e-commerce made simple. Each week, we find e-commerce entrepreneurs who are willing to share their successes, challenges, and stories so business owners like you can learn valuable lessons that will make your e-commerce journey as simple as possible. If you like what you heard today and would like to connect with either myself or the guests that we had on today's show, join our exclusive free Facebook community. Head on over to facebook.com groups slash e-commerce made simple or simply hit the link in the show notes below. I'll catch you all in the next episode.